0: On today's episode, Liz and I have a great conversation with Richard and Linda Eyre. We discuss principles from their latest book, The Eight Myths of Marriage, as well as relationship truths that dispel some of these common myths. Richard and Linda Eyer are the parents of nine children and are among the most popular speakers in the world on parenting and families. They have presented in more than 45 countries and are New York Times bestselling authors of numerous books on parenting, couples, and families. The Ayers have been frequent guests on national network shows including Oprah, The Today Show, Primetime Live, 60 Minutes, Good Morning America, and once did regular segments on the CBS Early Show. Their parenting website, valuesparenting.com, provides ideas, guidance, and creative programs for families throughout the world. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. I'm Dr. Liz Hale, clinical psychologist, along with the esteemed professor, Dr. Dave Schramm. Together, we are dedicating our life's work to bringing you the best we have in valid marital research, along with a few tips and tools on how to help you create the marriage of your dreams. Today, we have special guests in the house, New York Times, number one bestselling authors, Richard and Linda Eyer. I think actually they are Utah's most famous couple. They certainly are to me. After 50 years of their own beautiful marriage, they discuss many marital myths and truths of a fulfilling marriage. In their latest book, The Eight Myths of Marriaging, it is a must-read whether you are considering marriage or nurturing your marriage of many years. Richard and Linda, welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. Thank
2: you, and thank you for having us. This is one of our favorite topics. This will be so great, and talking to you two pros on this is especially fun for us.
3: I'm laughing at what you said, Liz. Utah's most famous couple. I don't think so, but I will tell you something interesting. When I'm by myself out and about, hardly anyone, you know, says anything or recognizes me. When I'm with her, <laughs> I'm suddenly famous. You you're know? famous
1: when you read. are I can. I can believe that. We have our first question for you, Richard and Linda, is what took you so long? To write a book on marriage
3: <laughs> i've got a I've got a good answer for that you know um marriage is harder than parenting uh, <laughs> indeed I mean we, we our publisher would ask us that all the time they're like, Richard and Linda, this is your fourteenth parenting book. when are you gonna do one on marriage and, we're, and our standard answer was when we figure it out <laughs> <laughs> so honest yet. Um, but you know something interesting, and you guys know this through your own data and research, but just in our personal experience um the stronger your marriage is, the stronger your parenting will be. That's always predictable as a as a marriage improves, the parenting always improves it unfortunately doesn't work the other way. We run into so many couples who are really good parents, and they're putting in the effort and the time and the research and the the mental energy. But as their parenting gets better, their marriage can can actually get worse, and well, it happens that way. Many we've, times. we've
2: asked a lot of audiences: um, How many of you feel like you spend as much time parenting as you do marriage? Or where do you
3: put the most effort? Where do
2: you that? put the most effort? And where do you? Where's your mind? And inevitably, it's on parenting. They're just. Trying to survive, and we get that, right? All of us. In fact, I mean, that's when
3: one, those that, kids are little, it's I'm, so hard. I'm, I'm glad Linda mentioned that because that actually was the impetus for finally getting us off of dead center and writing a marriage book is that we would we would always ask that at the beginning of lectures. And we'd ask a second question. We'd first say, where do you think you're putting the most time and effort on your marriage or on your parenting? About 85% admitted that it was that it was parenting. And the next question was is that a problem? And people recognize that it's yeah. a problem. Yeah, it is, it is a problem, yeah. you know. They just and don't so, know what to
1: do about it, right? They just don't yeah, know, they know, they know, what, know what,
3: to do. what to do about it. Exactly. And something about parenting, it's it's sort of I mean, think about the words, right? Parenting is a verb. It's a skill. You learn it. Here's it's an art, it's a science, here's a book, here's a manual. We we don't say marrying Maybe we should. I mean, that's part a little thing we put on the title of of this marriaging book is making marriage a verb and replacing myth with truth. And then, we, you know, we didn't call it the eight myths of marriage, the eight myths of marriaging, because we need to learn to make this a verb and a skill that we work on, not just something, oh, yeah, we're married. But what? It's not a static thing.
0: Yeah, I love that marriaging. I love that you guys have have tackled so many Myths, because there's so many myths out there, as you clearly know, the problem with myths is that they cause us to see ourselves and the world unrealistically. so what else is yeah. problematic with myths that go unchanged
3: Well, I mean, you hit it right on the nail dave if, if you If you believe something that's not true, you're going to have endless endless problems, but I don't think there's any area that I can think of any subject matter any any facet of life that has more myths in it than marriage. I mean, no one has corrected these things, you know? I mean, people think things about marriage which are not only not true, they're exactly opposite and backwards from the truth, such as we should measure our marriage by how alike we are and how seldomly we disagree. Well, that's just not true.
2: I was just going to say we have... Um Ask so many people at the, before they got married, you know, would you like to clone? Would you like to clone yourself or you want to marry somebody who's a clone? And they, they say no, but when they get right into the nitty gritty, they think, oh gosh, this guy was only so much more like I was. (laughs) We could do so much better. So, um, I think that is really a big deal when they get first get married.
1: I think you're right. So many times I think if we just thought the same, if in other words, he thought like me, right?
3: Yeah, right, right. Life right. would
1: go so much easier. And yet, when it comes right down to it, oh, that would make for a very uninteresting, boring, unhappy life. I love, I love <laughs> that
3: you use the word boring. <laughs>
2: oh, he does this all the time. I, I keep saying, well, I know, I know some couples that don't argue all the time, and. You know, they just they just
3: live a smoother life. They just you know, and then yeah. his response
1: is boring. Oh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. mind a good I don't mind a good tussle now and then, right? I don't mind a good debate. Right.
3: Well, and you know, I mean I'm I'm a little too prone toward athletic metaphors, but you know, we're we're gonna be watching the Utah Jazz tonight. I, I wouldn't want the point guard to do the same things as the center. I mean, come on. We we need to bring and 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 synergy by definition cannot exist between two things that are the same. So,
2: and I think when people are dating, they, you know they think to themselves, how much alike is this person? How much does he like me? Do I like that? I mean, maybe he's not enough like me. And I think that's the wrong thing to be looking for. You really need to be thinking, uh, what can this person yeah. bring to the relationship yeah. that I don't have?
3: You know, so. Yeah, exactly.
1: So that's the truth. That's the truth of the clone myth then, right? Is finding someone.
3: That's what we tried to do in in the in the book, even in the table of contents, because the the main reason for talking about a myth is to correct it and to replace it with the truth, right? So so in our minds it's this binary thing. You've got the myth and you've got the truth. Can you move from this side to this side and you know, and and that forced us to try to simplify it and get it down to something pithy. So the truth, some of the best and most exciting marriages are between two strong individuals who relish rather than resent their differences, who each have their own unique opinions and can disagree and debate and learn from each other. So how you resolve is a better measure than how often you need to resolve. And again, no one's pushing for, for yeah. well, let me say another thing that's really important here. The problem, even beyond the fact that it's a myth, is that people believe it and beat themselves up unnecessarily because they think they're failing. And what, what I mean, you two know better than I, what, what is worse for a marriage than for a couple to think they're failing? Then no matter what you say to them, they're like, yeah, but we don't agree on anything, we're failing. And you can't find any positive traction because someone has planted in their mind this unrealistic idea of always agreeing with each other.
0: We'll be right back after this brief message. And we're back. Let's dive right in. You know, another myth that caught our eyes, uh, we look at your book, is this no waves myth. You say it's a concern to smooth out over the rough edges that, you know, to give our, our marriage this text, this grit, this character. So it's a great description. How are our waves good for marriage?
3: Well, I mean, it's like this is sort of pushing the metaphor to a crazy point. But if you have water, and since we're talking about waves, what happens to a stagnant pond what happens where there is no motion there is no waves right you get you get all kind of bad things growing in that pond the waves are what clears it out refreshes it gives it new vitality
2: i think when we were doing this we were thinking you know it's so easy when you're angry at your spouse to just leave it because you realize you know it's just going to be a big argument and just just Leave it alone. Just don't say anything. And we have found that just never works. Because unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms. Quote from Stephen Covey. Um, we have truly believed that. I mean, I tried burying things, and it does just get bigger and bigger. And then the next time something that happens, like, there, there he goes again. You've got to talk about it. It is so important.
3: We were just, you know, Stephen Covey was was our, he was my personal mentor before we were married. I mean, he he was my, uh, I think he's probably the greatest mentor I've ever had in my life. And he became Linda's too after we got yeah, married. Lynn but all,
2: and Sandra. Uh, but we were wonderful. just
3: talking about him the other day because his, his oldest daughter finished a book that he had started before he died. And it's this brilliant book called Living Life in Crescendo. He's getting greater all the time. But we were thinking about Stephen the other day, and and, and I remember clearly this was right after our marriage. We'd gone to him for advice. There's nothing greater than having a a mentor you can just ask a blanket quick. Tell us how, you know, here we are. We've been married for three weeks. Give us us the secret, you know. (laughs) And I'll never forget him just looking right at us and saying, I'm going to give you two cliches. Pick the one you like best because you can't choose both of them. And the first one was, some things are better left unsaid. And we're both kind of nodding our head like, well, that's pretty obvious, you know. And then he says, and here's the other one, unexpressed feelings never die. They just come forth later in uglier forms. He says, you got to pick between those two. You can't believe them both. And we really got the message that the waves, when you choose the waves, you're choosing to progress and you're choosing to, you know, tackle this problem rather than gloss it over. Some things are bare left. Hey, let's just not go. Let's Let's agree to disagree, which, by the way, I think Dave and Liz is a great philosophy in business or in most relationships in life, but it's fatal in marriage. Not
2: marriage, though. We disagree on some things. We don't have to go into that, but little things. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I do have to say that we got yeah. some horrible marriage advice. When we got married, the guy who married us, he's passed on Performed now so and say this.
3: Just don't um, say the name.
2: We went to his home and he said, This is my advice to you. Never go to bed with angry feelings. Never go to bed when you are really angry at each other. Just work it out. So we took that to heart. He
3: actually said it kind of poetically. I remember he said, Never let the sun set on a disagreement, like it was a poem or something, you know?
2: So we took that to mean never let the sun rise without, Uh, you
3: know, we got got no sleep the first half a year.
2: Oh my goodness. We spent so much time all night, and then we just got angrier and angrier and tired, more tired, more tired. It was crazy, and we it took us several years to figure out that that was just not good advice. Go sleep on it, and it's going to look a lot you, better in the morning. You know what
3: we did, though? We modified it, and it was the the greatest sort of early marriage decision we ever made, which was we said, let's alter that to say, never let the week end on an unresolved disagreement. So we would have these things, we still do it, actually, called Sunday sessions, where we're just catching up, yeah. and we're, we're now – and we often – we, we often call it a testimony meeting or a beliefs meeting or a feelings meeting, and you're in a nice mood. Maybe you even had a prayer. We usually have a prayer before we start ours. And in that atmosphere, you can you can say, by the way, last Thursday you did hurt my feelings, and I'm still thinking about it a little, and I hope we can resolve it now. So not every day, but every week.
2: But sometimes when that does pop, it's really hard to leave it until the next week. Yeah, and that's so- true. We can argue all day, but all night it's not not a good idea. That's
1: right. So it's good but- practice. It sounds like you think, Richard Linda, to table it. Table it for the Sunday yeah. session of yeah. right. Yeah. right. I mean, if it's not
2: urgent right at this moment, if it's not
1: has to do with a child that needs
2: something right now, disagreeing on what how we should do it. But if it can, if you can table it, just. No, do I it.
3: like that, Liz. Table it, or, or we have one author we like that says, "Go to the balcony." Just, you know, step out on the balcony for a minute and get a new perspective. Or go change your clothes or go take the garbage out. Just do Just something. Change. Just don't have a yeah. time out. And you come back and resume when you're feeling a little better.
1: Yeah. We can still get along, right, and go about marriage even when this thing has been shelved for later review. Right. Right, right. I think that is really takes practice, doesn't it?
3: I think Cubby's point was don't leave it don't on the it. shelf so long. long. It starts to morph into something ugly, you know, and and most marriage couples we talk to, we say, do you ever remember a time when you were really mad and, and you tabled it and after a while you could remember you were mad, but you couldn't remember what on earth you were mad about, you (laughs)
0: know? And and
3: so sometimes there's such little things, you don't care if they fall off the shelf, but if it is something significant, Don't let it completely mellow out. Get it off the shelf while it's still alive, you know.
2: But the bottom line is really no waves is just not a good idea. Not a good idea. You just go for it. Make the waves. Do what you
1: have to to make things work and so that you can feel. Richard and Linda, this is why you wrote the book and why we desperately needed you to write this book after 50 years of marriage. Another myth we won't be able to go through all eight, but those that caught us eye would be the independence myth. Boy, do I hear this one often in my practice. Particularly with the younger generation, it's really common to hear, especially from the younger married women, oh, you know what? I'm not one of those needy kind of girls. I don't ever call my husband during the day or bug him about when he's coming home. We're both just very independent. And that's my big concern. Do you have that concern too? Yeah. Oh, enormous.
2: This independence thing is getting, the independence culture is getting to be one of the biggest problems in the world right now. Because people are thinking they don't even have to get married. They can be independent. They can be totally happy with who they are. But then when even when you're married, they have that in mind. Really
3: I think scary. part part of it is a confusion where people mistake something really wonderful called interdependence. They confuse it with codependence. They confuse it with some kind of a weakness mm-hmm. that they're trying to avoid. And And what we try to tell young couples or older couples, for that matter, is, there's nothing more beautiful than trade. I mean, indep- you can't argue against independence. We have a Declaration of Independence. We we honor independence, but what you have to understand is trading that independence willingly and joyfully for interdependence is just a beautiful thing. It's just it's this wonderful act of saying there's something better than being alone and being. And and we call it interdependence. And it is really, really beautiful. And it's vulnerable, too. And that's the thing people have to understand. That's what makes it so beautiful is it's vulnerable and real. And you've now you've traded for synergy.
2: Well, and as you know, in your practice, there are so many, so many couples that just say, I kind of want my spouse to be independent. I I don't want to have to solve every problem and i think that's a problem too i mean that's a myth you need to work it out together you need to feel like what does this person need you need to be thinking that all the time what what do they need what can i do to make this person happier instead of go figure that out yourself I, I you need to be
3: independent and just a quick final thought on what linda brought up one of the we're trying to work on an essay right now that's on the that, the working title is what is the basic unit of society? And for for generations, we've all paid lip service to the idea that a marriage and a family is the basic unit of society. But that is slipping away. And, and society is behaving more and more like the individual is the basic unit of society. And at first you say, well, so what? I mean, who cares? Actually, it's a huge issue because when you consider your marriage and your family to be the basic unit you are moving towards responsibility and sacrifice and stewardship and a mature attitude toward life when you're moving in that other direction the individual is what matters you don't realize it but you're moving towards selfishness towards win-lose competition and you be you're becoming part of the problem and so one of the tragedies is how often we meet young couples who say, well, you know, we are living together. We're, we're trying it out. And, you know, if it works, we may consider making a commitment. And, and sometimes I can't help myself. I just say, let me save you some time. It's the commitment that will through get you through the hard times. If you're going to try to get through the hard times and then make a commitment, you're never going to get there. And people, once they, once they sort of see that, that, yeah, marriage is a commitment. It is a leap into the unknown. It is giving up your independence. Yes, those are all beautiful things to give up if you love someone enough to
0: give them mm, up. Yeah, that's a good one. I, well said. Yeah, another myth that I love that you talk about in your book is the equality myth. You know, you know John Gottman. John Gottman, he talks about the importance of sharing mm. your partner's good news. How can we do a better job this and combat this competition and comparison and not resent our partners' roles and opportunities.
3: I think Linda's the expert. I'll just say a preface, which is so often, um, this is the hardest one to argue with people because they're so locked into equality. If you even say, I think equality is a myth. You what? What are you saying? You know, I mean, that'll set them off right away. So you have to define it and just... What we find so often in marriage is that poses for equality is just a way of keeping score. It's like, wait a minute, you you do this at work. I don't get to do that. Or, well, you get this. What It's as though we're somehow trying to come up with a score that's tied at 98 or something, you know, rather than say, hey, sometimes it's going to be, sometimes you're going to have a lot more going than I do, and sometimes I am. It's not about There's something higher than equality, and it's something called synergy.
2: And, boy, thinking it's going to be 50-50 is really, really scary because it is just 90-90 or 100-100. And it's different according to what you're doing right now in your life. Um, We have these cute neighbors who the mom is uh, dying because the dad is building a new deck in their backyard. And she has total responsibility of the kids. I mean, he's obviously doing a lot a lot of work and somebody's coming home from work and going straight to the deck and doing it. And so she's she was just saying the other day, honestly, I just have no break from these kids because I am just taking care of them twenty four seven and their little ones and I just I'm going crazy here. but I, and He
3: needs to take equal time, and we need to somehow he, balance this out. And, we,
2: and, and they and they have worked it out. I mean, they try to do it, but either one doesn't realize what the other one is doing. You know, he's trying his best to get this done before it snowballs, and he is trying her best to support. But it is really not equal ever. I mean, you kind of have to give and give and give on both sides. And take turns
3: so what's the truth for turns. that what What truth do you replace the myth of equality and for one of a better word, and actually it's our our favorite word is the word oneness, and again, that sets some people off i'm I don't want to be him i you know, I want to be two. I don't want to be- one. well, the idea of the yin and the yang, that beautiful don't you love the diagram i mean they're they're one, they're one, but they have their separate place. By the way, if you turn a tennis ball just right, I'm a big tennis guy. Yeah, did and you realize if this? If you turn a tennis ball, right, it's the perfect three-dimensional the- yin and yang. and yang with that line. On. And so it's that oneness where my part is not exactly like yours. Thank goodness. I had a classmate at Harvard, a French guy who who used to just go around all the time. It was the era of, of intense sort of extreme women's liberation. And he he wouldn't argue with anyone. He would just yell. Viva la différence! I mean, he would. The, the thing that makes the world beautiful is how different we are, not how the same we are. You know, and so that oneness is is a beautiful substitute for equality.
2: But there are just times. I mean, we have friends who uh, older friends, older than us, are taking care. of, This friend is taking care of her husband. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: she, yeah,
3: you know,
2: and. And But he, there have been times in life when he has taken over and done things, too. So it's a big balance that that happens in different configurations mm-hmm. as you go
1: through. And commitment, like you say. Closely tied the, to the equality myth is the last one we'll be able to visit with today, Linda Richard, and that's the achievement myth. Their achievement one seeks at work, right, in the community or even at church that can trump the efforts we place on marriage. Even young parents may find themselves working harder at parenting than marriage, as you said earlier because the demands and the needs are so great what's the truth please to the achievement myth? i'm
3: glad we're ending on that one although we still get to make our big one thing one takeaway you know at the end <laughs> That's right. but uh, but one i think the most valuable thing we try to teach people on our in our speaking and presenting is the the very powerful difference between an achievement and a relationship most people's goals center around achievements because they're measurable, they're quantifiable, you can segment them, you can say I'm fifty percent there and so on. Whereas a relationship to so many people is so ethereal and so hard to measure that they don't they don't bother to set goals. And what we try to teach is that really all a goal is is a clear vision of something the way you want it to be in the future. So we try to get people to actually write a relationship description the relationship they want with their spouse in three years. And boy, just that, and you, I'm sure you do similar things in your therapy, but the, the discipline of trying to use your imagination to envision not a perfect relationship, but one that has improved in certain ways, and to describe it. Now you're working on, and that becomes a goal that is a magnet. You You read it every week or so, and it draws you to it. And relationships—the the problem in the world is relationships don't get the same recognition that achievements do. And so you find we speak a lot to young entrepreneurs and presidents of companies and so on, and they get so they get so much money and so much recognition and so many awards for what they do with achievements, and they get nothing for relationships. And so they swing the pendulum this way until they wake up and realize. That the longer they live, it's this side that matters and not this side.
2: And really, working on that relationship is really so important. And sometimes you just have to sit. In fact, we um, we have done a funny little exercise of talking about what do you think I need. I mean, I know you're achieving a lot of things, <laughs> That's as you a hard have, <laughs> but what do you think I need? And it turns out really interesting because. Richard's first This is when we had a lot of little kids home, and his first response is, "I think, I think that you need me to write a poem every day because
3: <laughs> that's what I want to do for you. That
2: is what he wants to do for me." And we're like, "No, I want you to do the dishes. That is what I want you to do." And so, love
3: languages—we got to know what they are.
1: Talking is so important. It's a great question to ask each yeah. other. I love that.
0: Yeah, oh, that's great. Right. Okay, I, I have a question. For you, um, here the stronger marriage connection. It's called stronger marriage connection. We believe in that. That the point of this is to help couples strengthen that connection. So let me ask each of you: What do you think is the secret to a stronger marriage connection?
2: I'll start with that because okay. I don't, don't take, want mine, you to take mine. Don't take mine. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I think that. Biggest key that has helped us more than anything is to have a couples meeting every Sunday. We have a couple meeting every Sunday. And we sit down and we talk. I mean, not only about what do you need, but we talk about not only the schedule, but what can we do to help each other? Or what is our dilemma right now? How do we work this out? You just, life is so crazy. You can just get spattered everywhere if you don't take time to sit down. And it's just 15 minutes sometimes, half an hour sometimes. Sometimes
3: it's a couple hours, and we call it a Sunday session. Sunday session. No phones, no clocks, no interruptions, and uh, it's a course correction like none other. You know, we just love it. I, I agree with I think without
2: this. that, you can get lost in the weeds, and there are just so many distractions in marriage, and if you don't have a time and a place when you're going to meet, you're going to talk. Gonna go through the kids maybe one week talk talk what they need, but then also what you need.
3: Mine mine might be a little more philosophical, Dave. I, I I'm gonna come back to the word you used, Liz, earlier. It's all about commitment. If the commitment's there, I'll tell you a quick story. We were we spent most of last week filming with two really wonderful young mm-hmm. people and you, you may know the name, Sean Johnson, one one Olympic gold, one dancing with the stars, one the apprentice. She's just this real brand. She's four foot 10. She's dynamite. And she's married to Andrew East, who's become our good buddy. And he's, he's an NFL he's like player. So he's guy. like twice as big guy. as her. But they are the most amazing couple. And we were ta- we got talking with them the other day in a break from the filming. We're doing a parenting course with them, which is awesome because they're, they're reaching parents we can't reach. They're these young 20-something parents who don't read books. You know they they go online, they go on social media anyway we're we're in between takes and they're saying, we're talking about uh, the power of commitment and and he said something in a way I'd never quite heard it before. Andrew said when when Sean and I have a disagreement or an argument, which is fairly often because we're both pretty feisty, we know how it will end. We just don't know when it will end. The reason we know know how it will end is because we're totally committed forever to each other. We know how it will end. It will end with resolution. We're not sure when, but we know that will be the end. And I thought that's a really neat way to say that if the commitment is total, you can get through a lot of pretty tough times knowing that, you know, Whatever does happen, the commitment it's will always be there. It's going to work out all
2: right in the end. You just have that for sure. In fact, they did a podcast when just they had the they were having an argument. The entire podcast. <laughs> it's our
3: favorite podcast they've <laughs> ever done. Uh, <laughs> you can tell they're on YouTube too, and you can tell they're just mad as can be at each other. But they had this deadline, so they start off on the podcast, and they couldn't have rehearsed this. I mean, it's too spontaneous. <laughs> But by the time it's an hour long, yeah. by the time they're done, they're just totally over it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it could maybe, be maybe the 20. podcast solution. If you're really mad, <laughs> do a podcast.
1: Right. <laughs> resolve it by the end. Oh, that's pretty cute. It's so It was so vulnerable of them, so real of them, right, to show up. And sometimes we think we're the only ones, right? Or just the shame you feel when you're maybe Richard and Linda and you have a tussle when you're – Liz and you, you know, thirty-year marriage therapist, and I blow it. Oh, yeah. just that that yes. shame because we're just mere mortals. Right. You're
2: absolutely right.
1: I was so mad at
2: Richard yesterday. I was so <laughs> mad at him. But you know what? By the time we went to bed, thank goodness, we had worked to that. She's not so stay she's up so cute
3: night. when she's mad. I mean, there's something fiery <laughs> oh, you about.
2: Say
1: that.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, let's see it. Let's see it. That's pretty,
1: uh, <laughs> You ask in the audience, and any audience you're speaking to, a really intriguing question: Whose happiness do you think you have more control over—your mm. spouse's or your yeah. own?
3: Yeah, I've really come to believe that, Liz. I mean, Linda. Again, as part yeah. of the vulnerability, Linda is in control of my happiness. She can turn it on or off. But she has the power. I don't. I can't decide when I'm going to be happy. Linda can, by how she treats me and what she does, I and mean, I don't know if she'll admit it, but I can do the same to her. Oh, he
2: does a great, he does a better job than I do of
3: making me happy because I'm not happy.
1: We have such power, right? We have such power for better or for worse in our marriages. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, thanks for bringing that
1: up. That's so- we can help or heal. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah. Well,
0: hey, we sure appreciate your your wisdom, your decades of wisdom um, that you've, you've shared so widely and so well uh, for so many people. Hey, as we wrap up today, we'd like to ask our guests, you know, the big question, and that is our takeaway of the day. What is each of your, your takeaway of the day? Kind of that, that nugget, that wisdom that you hope that uh, people will remember.
3: One word commitment, make it total, make it eternal. Love it.
2: And I would totally agree with that. And also love it. Uh, I mean, feel the joy, feel the joy of the relationship. Sometimes it just gets so hard because with kids and all the stuff going on in your life. I think you need to remember that you're having fun. And that's sometimes you have to pinch yourself to remember that you're having fun. But it is a joyful experience to be totally committed to somebody and I think that's what we need to remember.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Liz, what about you?
1: Just we have we are powerful, more powerful than we realize. We are we have the power to hurt or to help our partners.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Jay? I, I think this, this whole idea of not keeping score, kind of not keeping track of this or that. And uh, there yeah. there's going to be times when I need to give a lot more when my wife might be sick or going through challenges. And so it's to give more and not keep, keep score. So uh, my goodness, Ringer and Linda, bit. we sure appreciate your, your time. Um, what a great conversation. So uh, as we wrap up, we hope our, our friends, followers continue to stick with us through the Stronger Marriage Connection podcast. And thanks for joining us today.
1: And remember, it's the small things that create a stronger marriage connection.
0: See ya. Hey. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel, where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. Finally, a big thanks to our producers, Rex Polanis, Kirsten Wilson, and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible.